Are you washed? That's the work of the Lord. Amen. It's really good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's really good to be in Edmonton and with this fellowship, this local church. It's truly a blessing. And I want to thank also Brother Ed for his invitation and also all the nice compliment. You're, you're, you're way too nice, but I appreciate it. I was preaching on Friday night to the young people, and I didn't have enough time. And he said, keep on. You can preach on. I said, thank you. Really remove a lot of pressure. So we've been having really a good time since we've been here Friday night and Saturday morning with the young men. Uh, I can relate with them because, you know, I've been raised in church, raised in the message, at different battles, different things that, you know, I did not understand when I was young and when in the world came back to, to understand them. But you don't need to go that detour and make bad memories and, and scars. And I, I, so I wanted just to share my heart with them that the Lord is, is gracious to, to not let us go that route and that he can bring answers to a 13, 14, 15-year-old or whatever age we are, he can speak to us. J'aimerais saluer mes amis francophones ce matin. Combien, sont, combien parlent français? Levez votre main. Alors, que Dieu vous bénisse. Alors, ce matin, ce qu'on va faire, c'est qu'on va avoir une réunion en français. Enfin, dans votre langue à Edmonton. Amen. Est-ce que vous aimez le Seigneur, mes frères et sœurs? Amen. Que Dieu vous bénisse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I want to thank the musician. You're doing a great job. Really appreciate you. So let's turn in the, in the Bible in the book of St. John, chapter 6. So we bring the greetings from our local church there in Warden and from our brother Andre Petit. We are, we are fighting and pressing for the battle. And I really, really, uh, I am blessed to be here this morning because at one point during COVID, we thought that we could maybe never travel again. Right. You know, it was for so long. And, and at one point I said, Lord, you know, because I really enjoy, you know, the fellowship and, you know, for the fellowship with pastors and, 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 and local churches. And it's really a part of, a, a part of, a, part of the ministry, the, the work we're doing. And I really miss the fellowship, really miss the fellowship. And so I'm really glad the Lord was gracious that we can uh, uh, still be able to travel and, and meet the bride of Christ, you know, uh, different places. So let's read uh, St. John chapter 6, verse 37. <clears throat> All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he had given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Amen. Let's bow our head. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you this morning. That we are in your house and in your presence. And may you come, Lord Jesus, with, with your word to establish the believer, strengthen the believer, remove all fear, Lord, that we may be, Lord, full of love and full of faith, Lord, in your presence. Lord, take every con control, Lord. 
take control over every spirit this morning, every religious spirit, everything that would, would want it to hinder the word of God. And we're asking you for the freedom of the Holy Spirit to move in every role, Lord, upon every heart as we surrender ourselves to you. As I surrender my thought, myself, all my desires, my will to you, Lord, as you may use this vessel this morning to bring, Lord, comfort, to bring healing, to bring strength to your bride. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to speak about this morning. I want to, to, to give it a title. They will come to me. They will come to me. Let me give you an introduction to the thought behind what we want to express this morning. It's nothing new. You won't learn anything new. And it's not the angle this morning to try to bring information. But I've seen Christians in different places, different countries. The Lord gave me the, the chance to travel in different countries, different kind of culture. And there's something that I've seen in too many Christians, too many message believers. And it's insecurity. And I believe that there's, there's provision in this hour for the believer not to be insecure anymore about his position. But for some reason, I've seen that insecurity, and when someone is insecure, he's putting a lot of pressure to compensate, to keep his balance. And so I want to talk about the position of the believer this morning, but before I do so, I think part of it is a misunderstanding of the progression of the journey of the prophet. As he started his ministry years back, and as he moved on, the Lord kept unfolding to him more and more about the mystery. Because sometimes we believe mysteries are information, but behind many information that we get about the horse rider, the, the trinity, serpent seed, oneness, and all that, has, it's been exposed. There's something you have to see all behind that. There's one mystery, and it's Christ. And the Lord has been adding piece of the puzzle through all those years, and even when the prophet left the scene, the bride stepped in, and the Lord kept uh, giving her, uh, as we go back and study and see what the prophets is talking about, we entering in more and more. And I believe as we are entering in more and more, we should be more secure now in our position than we ever been. But sometimes I see that it's not quite happening for everyone. And there seems like to be like a lot of background noise in our spiritual life. And those background noise comes from things or a piece of the puzzle we missed. You know, if you do a puzzle, sometimes there's parts, you know, that doesn't make really a big difference. But if you, if you want to see the face of someone, sometimes one or two pieces will reveal the face of a person in, 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 in the whole puzzle. You know, the tree is one thing, and the grass is one thing, and a flower is one thing. But suddenly when you place 
those two pieces, suddenly you recognize, oh, that's Jesus. And I believe sometimes some believers are lacking just one or two pieces that would make, that would give sense to the whole picture. And I pray the Lord this morning, I, I don't pretend to, uh, but as a minister, you always want to preach and make the difference. You don't come behind the pulpit and say, you know, and try to be so humble that, you know, it won't make any difference. No, you come praying, Lord, I hope for someone it will make the difference. So we have to understand uh, uh, something called progressive revelation, which has been a stumbling block for many. And, uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm aware it won't be a stumbling block here because you've been, you know, you've been well taught in the word. But sometimes that's a stumbling block and they see where, do, some people might say, where do you see progressive revelation in the Bible? Well, Jesus spoke about it in St. John chapter 16, verse 12. When Jesus said, I have yet many things to say unto you. But ye cannot bear them now. So Jesus is telling you that, we, that he will unfold the mystery piece by piece by piece. Because if he does it at one point, you just won't be able to get it. First, it will go way above your head. You'll miss the whole point because it's way too of a bite, you know, to chew on. Even the day the prophet was preaching, the people were sitting there and sometimes were like, I wish I'd be sitting there. Well, if you'd have been there, you'd have missed the whole point. And you can see it by the questions after the prophet would preach series of meetings and you see it by the question. They, missed the, the, they, they totally missed the point. But there's a season to get it. Amen. So if ever somebody challenged you on the progressive revelation, St. John 16, 12, the Lord is telling you how he works. He works in unfolding things slowly. And that's what he did with his prophet. Even, even John the Baptist, when he started his ministry, his greatest mission on earth was to introduce the Messiah, was to introduce the Lamb of God. And even John's confession, he says when he saw Jesus, he says, I knew him not. You mean to tell me that the greatest mission of John the Baptist, when he started his ministry, he had no clue what it was. That's what we call progressive revelation. But God gave him a sign. When this happened, it's this. Now people could attack, it could attack John the Baptist saying, you know him not. Come on, it's your cousin. It's a family thing. You know, how can you say you don't know him? It's, he's part of your family. You know, when people want to be carnal and, and, and try to trap a messenger and make him like he lied. Well, you could trap John here and say he lied. He knew. He knew Jesus. Yeah. It's his cousin. But he didn't know he was the Lamb of God. Until that day, he didn't know. So when people try to make the prophet knew all things the, from the beginning, you're actually making him God. He was a prophet, and he didn't know any better un, un, unless the Lord showed him. And sometimes even God showed him a vision, and the vision has always been perfect. Vision is thus saith the Lord, but the understanding of the vision 
the prophet misunderstood one vision for instance, like when he sees the blasts and the thunders, he thought he would die. For many days, for a long time, he thought, I will die. Now the vision is, thus saith the Lord, the vision is perfect, but his understanding of the vision was not perfect unless the Lord revealed the meaning of the vision. Even when he preached the seal, the first seal, the prophet said, you know, the land is standing now tonight as we enter into a sixth chapter. He's got the book in his hand. He's starting to reveal it. And oh, would, would absolutely today, and I hope that people are spiritual. I would have had a horrible mistake on that if I hadn't been about 12 o'clock today when the Holy Spirit came in the room and corrected me on something that I was writing down to say. So when, even when he approached the seals, he approached it, the prophet said, with an old context of, of what other people thought it was. But until the Lord came in the room and revealed it's not what you know, church tradition thought, has nothing to do with church tradition, it's a fresh revelation coming down from heaven and until that day at noon he didn't know what it was because that's how the Lord is working he's progressively on downloading if we want to use a modern term he's downloading piece of the puzzle more information and at one point you see it it's not that everything you've preached before is false but it's not complete it's the, the picture of Christ was more blurry Amen? That's not my topic this morning. It's just, it's just me making a foundation. The opening of the seal had such an impact that the prophet says it become a new Bible. And reveal all the things. He's talking about the seven seals. And reveal all the things that the reformers and things had left out. It was the complete revelation. The piece of the puzzle. To form the full picture of Christ so we can recognize who he is. Complete revelation of Jesus Christ altogether new to us. But perfectly exactly with the scripture. That was the word which was always been. I was so inspired and directed. Now, understand this right. As we start to see the complete picture of Jesus Christ. It has, should have an effect on your life where you should see yourself. It's one thing to recognize Christ, and it's part of the journey, but it should bounce back in your world, in your reality, where you're able to see your reflection in Christ. Prophet says, you know, the mysteries was in the seventh seal. When these seven seals was opened, that opened up, that entire Bible, there's a huge difference. You can preach a closed book, or you can preach an open book. If the Lord, the Lord willing tonight, I want to speak about the clash. Because every time God makes a move, there's a clash. There's a fight. People who want to stay behind, and people who are able to move on. And 1963, as the book opened, a lot of people believe Malachi 4, but they believe in a closed book. And God's going to download more information, and they're going to they're gonna see it. 
And so there's a clash in 63 because there's some people that are missing what has happened. And the prophet calls that book open, which was closed in Revelation 5, opened in Revelation 10. He calls that book the book of redemption. He calls that book the Bible. He calls that book, I don't have the quote, but you know these things. He calls that book the book of life. And so when that book was closed, you couldn't see your name. So people were telling you to be bride or to be part of the church, you got to dance, you got to shout, you got to do this, you got to do that. You got to believe the prophet. You got to follow COD. You got to follow all the rules of the church. But when the book opened, suddenly you go beyond church tradition. You go beyond church rules. You go beyond dancing and shouting, which is part of an experience. It's true, but that's not it. You go beyond the voice of the prophet because he pointed it to Christ. And suddenly when the book is open, now it's not the pastors tell you that you are elected before the foundation of the world. It's not the church telling you. It's not even the prophet. But it's Christ himself. And you see your name in the book. Hallelujah. When the book is open, you can see your name. It's not men telling you that. It's not the church telling you, you're in, you're in, you're in. You're part of us. You got our fellowship card. You're, you're part of our group. You're in the message. And, and when I say message, I'm talking about the gathering. But the message is more than a gathering. It's more of a collection of books. It's Christ. Christ revealed. Christ and his bride. Having a ministry on earth at the end time. Amen. All right, so I'm done with my introduction. 20 minutes, okay. I want to talk about predestination here. And if ever, there's a, if ever you stumble on a seed, don't throw me out. Just throw the seed, okay? But, but, but make sure that before you throw it out, <laughs> make sure it's, <laughs> it's bad. I want to ask you a question this morning. And that's where we enter our, our subject, and I don't know if it's going to be preaching or teaching, but it's going to be whatever the Lord wanted it to be. But a question I, was, I want to ask you this morning, your predestination is based on what? And so, I want to show you two lines of thought, two different directions. First of all, you can be... Predestinated based on foreknowledge. And now foreknowledge is... And the other side is you're predestinated based on your origin. Where you come from. Okay? It's two different lines. And at first we can think that they contradict each other. But actually, with the opening of the word, we realize that they are not talking about the same group. Foreknowledge, actually, is God knew before. So the understanding that I have been chosen by God before the foundation of the world, because God knew and he saw by his foreknowledge, he saw that I would make the right decision. That's one line of thought. 
Now, the other line of thought is predestination based on origin, which is based on God's choice. Now, I'll give you an example. So, God has foreseen that I would make the right choice. And the other side is, I come from God, and I go back to God. Now we're going to read the Bible again, and there is a downside. If you believe on one or the other, it will determine your security based on your belief. It will determine your security, how how your faith is safe. And we'll take our time to... And so, St. John chapter 6, that was our opening scripture, but we're going to use some highlighter. Jesus says, all, all, that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now, for many years we thought that sentence was talking about one group. But we know now, because this is one thing that happened through the, the opening of the word, you, seen, you saw the church and the bride as a one group. But as we, as the picture of Christ getting more clearer and clearer, you start to also, because the opening of the seal is not just the revelation of Christ, it's the revelation of the bride of Christ. Even in the feast of the trumpet, it becomes more clear that the bride and the church, you know, one goes in the rapture, the other will face persecution. And the prophet then makes a distinction that, you know, her husband will not persecute or allow his wife to be persecuted. And, and, and then, and so as we are getting closer and closer and closer, there's a separation. The church and the bride. They're not the same. They don't have the same position. And they don't have the same security. So verse 37 is showing you that there is two groups. The one that the Father giveth me. That's before the foundation of the world. They will all come. That's my title this morning. They will come to me. They will. But then, there's others who wants to come, and Jesus says, I will not reject them. I will accept them, but they're not elected before the foundation of the world. But God foresaw, he's foreseen that they would make the right choice and come to him. And because of that, he put also their name in another section of the book of life. But that section you can be removed off. But the lady elected, her name was also there before the foundation of the world. But it's not because he foreseen you. Your name is there. And in no way you can miss it. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me that of all which he hath given me. First group. 
seed, elected. First group, I should lose nothing. If you're a seed of God, try to run. It's not your choice. The church predestination is based on their choice. The bride of Christ's predestination is based on God's choice. Because it's the Father who is giveth. And we're going to go deeper, deeper. So don't, don't quit if you say no, 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 no. no. Be patient. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go well. <laughs> and this is the will of him that sent me. That everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. You got the same thought in St. John 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Actually, he knew you before you knew him. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me... So those the Father gave him are the elected. These are God's chosen. Those, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. No church, no preacher, no, no government, no kind of anything. No man is able to pluck them out of my hand. Now, if you receive that this morning, and that's my prayer, that's my burden, it should give a security to the believer where he can rest, not on his choice, but he can rest on God's choice. He answers that question, and question and answers many of the questions. And there again, he separates the bride and the church. He says, well, we'll do bride. It's a bit cut off, but we understand the meaning. The church, see, you can't divide what they are. The bride is the elected of God. The church goes through, we know what he means, tribulation. That's the one, it says, whosoever will, let it come. But the bride is the elected of God. So he's making a difference. And so for many years we got confused. Whosoever, whosoever. So then it's based on choice. But now as we, as, as, as God has, has clarified and he's bringing the revelation of the bride of Christ, now it's clear that there's two groups. There's the one who God chose and then there's whosoever wants to come, they can come. Because, you know, for many years we thought, you're the bride or you go to hell. But we don't believe that anymore. Especially in the seven church ages where the prophet lays out the book of life. We understand there's many sections in the book of life. There's the bride, but there's also the church. The foolish virgin will go into tribulation, but she's not going in hell. She'll suffer. She'll pay a price. She'll have to stand. And she will not receive eternal life, but enter in eternal life. Because the only way you can have eternal life is that you always had it. Even the prophet says, you never chose God. God chose you. You never chose God. No man can come to me except my father draws him first. So many people say, oh, I sought God. I sought God. That's a mistake. You don't seek God. God seeks you. Amen. 
Hallelujah. And so you have a lot of faithful believers, genuine believers, sincere believers who will spend their life insecure, either about themselves or about others. And I call it background noise. What you can read in front is clear, but there's noise in their spiritual life, but it's a, it's a, it's a background noise. Like if you talk on the phone, you say there's noise on the line. And when there's noise on the line, things are not clear. You're missing a word here. Word. You get the great idea, but because there's noise on the line, it creates insecurity. Did I miss something? But the revelation of being a seed gene should and will remove all fear from the bride. And that insecurity becomes part of your spiritual fabric. It's entangled, entangled in your spiritual life. It's a background. No, it's not obvious. If you ask someone, are you saved? Of course I'm saved. Will you make it? Yes, I will make it. But all the choices and comments we make in our reaction is linked to that background noise. There's still a fear inside the believers. Will I miss it? Or I know I won't miss it. And you'll say, well, what's the point, Brother Steve? It's really important, especially if you are parents and you raise kids. If you raise children with that background noise... The way you're going to raise them, you won't raise them having a deep revelation inside of your soul saying, if my children is seed, they will come and nothing can happen and prevent them from getting there. If they come from there, they'll go back to there. Now... It doesn't mean that you allow all kinds of things and you throw your kids out in the street and say, if you're a seed, you're going to make it. That's not what I'm saying. But you can raise children with a background of fear or you can raise a family with a background of a solid faith into predestination. And, it's not, and, and even pastoring a church is the same thing. Or even witnessing to someone. It's the level of pressure you put on someone if you don't understand the power of a seed. That the life is already in that seed. And when the light strikes that seed, it will be quickened as sure as God's word is sure. But there's a season for that seed to be quickened. You've been quickened 10 years ago. And maybe the guy you witnessed at work and that's why sometimes if we miss the, 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 the revelation of the seed, we put pressure on the vessel. Trying to make the seed quicken. But that's now, if, if there's people gardening, that's now how you treat the garden. You treat a garden, you just water, you, let, you don't put your garden in the shadow. You put the, the, the garden in a place where there can be as much as hours of sun possibly. And you water and you go to sleep. You relax. You're sitting on your patio having a coffee watching that garden with a smile. It's just dirt. Nothing's going on but you smile. You're relaxed. You're resting because you know there's seed in the ground. Yeah. 
Now, if you don't believe in the kind of seed you bought, you're, you're, you're having your coffee, and I'm like, man, I wish, I wish. And you're not resting at all, the, and you get up the next morning, there's dirt again. Oh, no, there's dirt again. <laughs> then you call the store. I laid seed two days ago, and it's still dirt. You stole me. I want to be refunded. The guy's like, wait. It's going to come up. If you have a family, you have a garden. If you're a minister or you're a pastor, you have a garden. Just preach your word. You're witnessing a job, at the work, just water it a little bit. Not too much pressure. Because actually you're pushing the envelope containing the seed. And you're putting pressure on the envelope. You cannot, with pressure on a, on a carnal envelope... You cannot reach the seed with that. You're not helping the seed. You're not making any progress on the seed. You're not helping. Actually, you're doing the contrary. And so that's really important. And sometimes we are afraid to go there because it's like, well, then there's no more pressure. Exactly. Well, then the people are going to live a loose life. Not if they're seed. What are you talking about? And it's the difference between, and I'm not talking about this church, but I, I'm just trying to help here. But we have a tendency as, as humans sometimes that we're afraid someone's going to get loose. He's going to lose himself. And, and, and we try to do a mix of grace and law. A mix of grace and a, and, and, and a bunch of rules to, right. to make sure that they, they don't cross the line. We make sure that they don't go too far. And, and I understand there's a balance to that. Right. But I try not to work with laws and rules, but I try to work with principle. And oftentimes I ask the young people if I have to sit with them and they're about to make choices. And they're asking me, do you think it's good if I do this? And I'm like, I won't answer you about this. Because I'm not the one who should rule over your life. That's right. But I'm going to ask you, where do you want to be in five years? Amen. That's where you work by vision, by principle. So do you believe this move today will get you closer? So sometimes you ask a young man, what do you want to be in five years? You'd like to be married? Yeah, I want to be married. Okay, good. You want to marry a Christian or a worldly girl? I want to marry a Christian. Good, we're on the same page. You want to have children? Yes, I want to have children. You want to bring them to Sunday school? Yeah, I want to bring them to Sunday school. I want to bring, I want to raise my family. Okay, so perfect. So this is what, it's you, it's not me. You want to go there. All right, so what do you think about this move tomorrow now? Does it go in line with the vision you have in your heart? And this has a greater impact on the believer than don't do this now. Don't do this tomorrow. Don't, don't touch, don't look at that. It's that. Well, you can go there once, but if you make it an habit, you'll never reach the goal that God has put in your heart. So it's the difference between working with laws and rules and working with a vision. A vision, a vision is long-term benefit. Law is a reward quickly. Yeah, right away, the people will do what you want right away. But they're clueless. They don't know where they're going. They don't even know why they're doing it. Amen. So even uh, the election, and I've just selected some quotes. It's talking about how God shows 
Jacob and not Esau. And I want you to look at something here. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil. So, without them making any choice. Why? That the purpose of God according to election might stand and not of works, but of him that calleth. So if you are predestinated based on your choice, then it's your work. And then the election doesn't stand because, and I'm talking about bride now. We're going to leave the church aside because I, I, I believe with all my heart this morning I'm preaching to the bride of Christ. The bride of Christ had nothing to do with it. The only choice you can make is accept God's choice. That's the only choice you have in the game. Why? Because you want the purpose of the election to stand. So then it is not of him that willeth. Your choice. So it's not about you wanted it. The Bible says it's not about you wanted it. Nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And how does he show mercy to the bride? By putting a seed inside of her before the foundation of the world. That is God's mercy. Hallelujah. So, and I'll say, well, Brother Steve, what's the difference? Well, because I've asked this, that question like early on in my Christian life, when I thought that I was, a, I was elected based on God seeing my choice, I said, okay, I made the right choice now, but what if later on I make the wrong choice? Did he see that too? It all worked great when you're making the right choices, then you feel secure about yourself. Huh? <laughs> huh? I made the right choice. I always make the right choices. And then your Christian life becomes so much pressure about the next move. Because I made the right choice here. I made, by God's grace, I made the right choice. Well, what if I made a wrong move? I might be lost because maybe before the foundation of the world, God uh, foreseen that I would make the wrong choice. So it's all based on me, my choices, and my behavior. And sometimes we fall back to this vision, to, to, the, to, the, to the, you know, uh, Henry, the one who spoke in tongue in French, and he said the prophet, because of your own choosing and all that. Don't mistaking. That is talking about a reward. Because you chose an error, because you made the right choice, there's a greater portion of heaven. This is reward. You don't make yourself bride by your own choosing. So that's why we need clear teaching to separate and a lot of things at the right place. You say, Steve, do we still have choices? Absolutely, you still have free will. And you're going to be blessed, but, you know, based on certain choice you do. And, and others, you know, you're going to pay for it. But this has nothing to do with your position in Christ. And, 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 and that's where that, you know, we can, have, we can react so badly when people are doing the choices we don't want them to do. Right. Suddenly we're like, hmm, they may be serpent seed. Because he just did that. And whatever 
You know, every fellowship has a kind of our non-written rules. And we had them like for years. You know? Well, you know, he's driving a motorcycle. Mm. <laughs> you know, I trusted that believer. I thought he had wisdom and discernment. And now he showed up with his motorcycle. And I'm like, he might be serpent seed. I finally... <laughs> And then, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know. <laughs> it is so fun to be somewhere like when you, when you live so far on the other side of the country, like you don't know. But it's a pattern. You, you, you travel, you see there's patterns, there's patterns. And so now the church becomes, well, they self-discipline each other. Because it's about putting pressure on this one. You have to make the right choice. You have to make the right decision. And if you don't, I'll cut fellowship. That's right. Because I don't want to end up fellowship with serpent seed. You know, it is so close. It will deceive, almost deceive the very elected. And then we apply the word at the wrong place. Based everything on behavior. And how do you control behavior? You control behavior with rules and laws and COD. Hallelujah. And I already hear what some of you are thinking because I thought the same. I come from that place too. It's the fear. If I lose the grip, and even as a pastor, I had to, to transition. Even in my ministry, I had to transition from tight, right. controlling preaching to grace Love, and there's nothing you can do to be loose, to be lost. And that transition from rules and, all, and laws, it's all based on fear. And to move from a fear-based church to a church based on faith, right. love, and trusted, trust in the seed of God. In the middle, it's kind of, what if people stop and they don't attend church as before? What if people don't, don't, don't dress the same? What if the, their behavior change? And I'm a witness, friends. I've been pastor for 14 years now. And I've transitioned in the way I approach the word. Because you got 1,200 books. You got a lot of material to nail every service. Don't do this and don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't look at that. And I'm not saying that we should not teach upon these things. But it should never be the core of what we're doing. Because if it's the core of what we're doing, we're not a church built, built on grace, even though we, we'd like to think we are. But our behavior and our insecurity is pointing that we are based on law and good behavior. And in, and, and in, the, in that transition, I had many, I don't know, insecurities. What if it's not the right approach? What if people turn loose? What if, if the church is not disciplined? If I don't discipline them all the time? And what if I let the Holy Spirit inside of them telling them what's the right choice? What if it, I don't dictate to them all the time what they should do? As a pastor. But as a father, it's the same thing. Or the guy you witness to. Or the one you just brought to church. And you're trying to make him born again overnight. Now you have to come to our church, but you're not even sure. You had to wear a skirt. You had to do this and do that. And like years ago, this is how you, we witnessed to someone. We would change all the outside 
But that's horrible because a lot of them never got a change in the inside. I was raised by my own mother for 15 years. She was wondering, is my sin forgiven? But she was, she was doing all the rules. She was applying everything that was taught. But inside of her, she didn't know who she was. Because we didn't let the Holy Spirit nurture and teach and bring that person to that revelation by himself. Amen. Okay, let's move on because we're not moving quickly. Well, you're pulling real good. <clears throat> Based on origin, like Jesus said, For the Father himself loveth you because he hath loved me and hath believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father. And I'm coming to the world again. I leave the world and I go to the Father. That's not just Jesus. It's also the bride. You come from him and you return to him. That's what we call restoration. Redemption is to bring back. If you came out of nowhere and made the right choice, that's not returning. That's not redemption. Redemption is you're restored to your original position. You had to be there to begin with. At the very start of our study, let it be known that there is not one scripture that teaches that God is presently compiling a record of names. This was all done before the foundation of the world. As we will point out shortly. Also, it is not a question of simply involving ourselves with two groups of people, both of whom had opportunity to receive eternal life. Wherein one group received it and had their name placed on record, while the other who refused did not have their name so placed. We will actually show by Scripture that multitudes who are not even born again will go in eternal life. Oh, you didn't say amen. <laughs> you know what? A lot of people struggled. You want to read, huh? I'm going to cut it. A lot of people struggle. When the, the seven, the church age book came out, it was fought. I even went to South Africa to talk to Brother uh, Retief. And, and that's one of his questions when the when, uh, prophet landed in South Africa. That was one of the questions. What about the church age book? Everybody says it's not you's written and it's not your teaching and it's not what we've heard before. And the prophet says, church age book, he says, Brother Retief, it's thus saith the Lord. But the reason why they fought the church age book is because early on in the ministry, it was not that clear. Because there was progressive revelation. And now people are want to reject the church age book and go back to the 60s sermon in adoption where the prophet saw that you were a crocker bird turned into a wheat grain. That's what he said. But with the revelation of the seed, we now know we've always been a wheat seed. Always. Because the Bible says the seed has to go according to you. There's a never a change of seed. If that doesn't happen in nature, it doesn't happen. But that got revealed to the prophet later on. And so for many years we thought, you know, if you're not bright, you go to hell. And suddenly he says, ouch. Multitudes who were not even born again will go into eternal life. 
As strange as it may sound, it is certainly true. We will also show that there is a group of people whose name having been placed on that record before the foundation of the world cannot under any circumstances have those names removed. <laughs> But we also show that another group whose names were on that record before the foundation of the world will have their name removed because it's based on their choice. But if you're bride this morning, you are based on God's choice. And there is no circumstances that can happen to you for your name to be removed. We can call that eternal security. And as a pastor, sometimes people start struggling. And I do now... There's been this predestination teaching like, I don't have to do nothing. I don't have to care. If there's seed, they're going to make it. If there, there's nothing I can do like this, that's not it. As a pastor, I do everything in my power, in my power, which is quite limited. And I don't overshoot. I don't go beyond my power. I don't overrule the self-will of people. But I'll, if somebody is going astray, I'll, I'll take time. I'll sit with him. I'll show him the scripture. I'll, I'll give him the, 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 the consequences of your decision. And then, and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking for me to do that. But at one point, I have to let him go. But I don't enter into manipulation, uh, uh, trying to pull kind of all kind of strings and, and, and playing games with people's emotion and fear. If they stay because I played with their emotion, they're not even in a better position. Of course, they look better in the church eyes. They look, it looks better for the church reputation. We didn't lose no one. The church will lose some. But we do everything we can. But at one point, we have to let, the, let them go. The prophet went through the same thing with his daughter, Rebecca. Started playing music and, and, and banged the door. And the prophet says, okay, talk to his wife. He says, it's difficult. You have to listen to me. This is the Lord. Ends off. Love her. When she comes here, we're going to make herself, herself welcome. But hands off. You remember, honey, we brought her to the Lord. We gave it to the Lord. He's in charge. We did everything we could do. Hands off. If you believe, if you believe that all elected, there is in no circumstances. Of course we want to avoid them scars. Of course we want them to make all the right choice. I feel the same as a pastor. I feel the same as a father. But you cannot overrule self-will. God doesn't even do it. How can you go further than God when God will allow you to make a choice? Who am I to overrule somebody's self-will? That's right. Very good. That's good. Amen. The God who is rich in mercy. I'm only saying this, not to mix up doctrine, but to straighten it out that we might. Get away from this fear and scare. You don't know who you are. You are not going to be. But now 
You are the sons of God. He says, you're not going to be later. You are now as sons of God. You always were the sons of God. For when God had, he, had you in his thinking at the beginning, you have to be some part of you. Your life that is in you now had to be with God before there. Even, he, he even become material here on earth before there was anything but God. You were one of his attributes. He knowed what your name would be. He knowed the color of your hair you would have. He knowed all about you. The only thing happened is when you, being a sinner, being a sinner, you took a detour. You bypassed your theophany. You didn't know it. But when you heard from your theophany, suddenly it's like, oh my goodness. That's why I I didn't feel to, I didn't fit anywhere. Because when you hear about your theophany, it it removes you from that sin period. And you go back spiritually to your position. It's like you never done it. Because you never did it. Many of you can fellowship with me on this thought. When you, you was a little boy, a little girl, you would walk around and, and there would be a certain things that would just, where it wouldn't bother the other kids. It seems like, but there was something in you that cried out. There was God somewhere, yet you were a sinner. You remember? Remember that? Certainly. Now, what, what, what was that? That was a little form of life in you then. And then after a while, you heard the gospel. Maybe you went to a church, you picked out this and that and went from denomination to denomination. But one day, you being part of God, you had to be part of the word. And when you heard the word, you know where you come from. You know what was the truth. You were always, the seed was always in you. Always. That's why you are based, if you're the elected, if you're the bride of Christ, you are based on origin. The word seen the word that was in you, that was before the foundation of the world, saw the word, and you come to it. Modern events. And so we found out that God does not in every age, every age, God does his own choosing by his own predestinate choosing. He's doing his own choosing. If you're the bride, it's not based on your choice. Um, you know what? I'm so happy because I'm not reliable enough. I'm so glad that God did not trust me. He went above my head. Says Steve can't trust him. Sometimes he's all excited and sometimes he have his heads, heads between his legs and he's all discouraged. And I went through a trial in 2017 where I, I burned out and melted down. I went through different things and on a personal level, on a church level, and I exhausted myself. And on top of that, I was, I was just, I couldn't preach anymore. So I stopped for six months. And I was going through a situation, and at one point I said, Lord, I think, I, not I think, Lord, I'm done. Yeah. Ministry is over. I won't ever preach again. Just like I did, I did my part. And a huge meltdown. I didn't have the strength anymore. I was a nervous wreck. And I thought I was done. And it was an amazing experience because all those years before that, I had a lot of zeal for the Lord, Amen. had a lot of energy, I had a lot of will. Right. I had a lot of will. I really wanted to serve the Lord. I really wanted to do something for the Lord. But then God brought me to that position where I didn't want anymore. That's right. yeah. I still wanted to be a Christian. That was not the point. But the level of involvement, the ministry, being a pastor, without, comes with it and all that. No, I, I, Lord, I'm done. 
And I literally didn't have the strength to hold on anymore. But I was afraid to let it go. Because I thought if, if I don't have the strength to hold on, if I let go, it's going to be a free fall. And that amazing experience, I still remember to today. I just can't do it anymore. It's like, oh, I'm still here. You know when you think there's no safety net? I, I, I want to tell you, if I'm here this morning, it's no more self-will. It's no more Steve is this, Steve has a lot of zeal, Steve, you know, because I've reached a point where I, I had to let go. I can't do this anymore. And then I realized he's holding me. I had nowhere to go. You know, Peter at one point says, where could we go? I mean, there's nowhere to go. And then that experience remove the fear of me making the wrong thing and me, me and, and I realize wow God is in control but how can you feel God is in control if you're holding tighter than God is holding you your hands are all white you know I'll be a Christian I'll be faithful I'll be and the Lord is going to relax relax I have this the Lord wants to tell you this morning relax I have this. No, no, no. We don't want to be relaxed. We, we want to press. We want to press. We want to press. I have this. So we try to hold ourselves that, that tight. It's like you're walking with your girl in, in a street. Like, you know, there's a lot of car and, and you're so afraid she's going to run and you're, you're almost, you know, cracking the bones in her hands. She's crying all the way. Did you enjoy the walk? Oh, my hand is hurting. Yeah, I know, Mommy is hurting you real bad. Because I don't want you to go. There's cars over there. I know that. Can you lose it a little bit? <laughs> It's based on fear. Fear makes us go overboard. Fear makes overshoot the thing. And when we do that, we damage people around us. And on top of that, we look like a cult. Because that's the attributes of the cult. A cult, you have a dictator who dictates everything, who shame people and, 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 and manipulate people because it's all about how we look. So we got to trust the Lord. The Lord is in control. All right, where I was. Oh, he's on choosing. So choose this prophet and things of the age. I got to move quickly. For you're a gene of your father and you were in your father, yet your father had no fellowship with you because you wasn't there. But you knew it not. And he knew it not. But you was manifested that you might have fellowship. He might have fellowship with you and you being born again. You're born of eternal life. And that's the only form of eternal life. And that's God's life. Zoe, the Greek word Zoe, only one form of eternal life. And so you knew it not. And I hope if there's someone that didn't know it this morning, God would reveal to you so you can know it and have a restful relationship with the Lord, knowing he has everything in control. And remove the background noise of your spiritual life. Remove the fear of your spiritual fabric so you can be a Christian who rests. You think it's part, you, do you know it's part of the commandments? That shall not kill. That shall rest. And we know it's not a day anymore. 
Paul explained, it's now a spiritual position. So if you don't rest, you're not following the commandments. <laughs> God wants to bring you in that rest. Where you rest from all your deeds. You rest from all your works. Now it's God's works. Amen. All right. Church age book. Okay, before that. Because I've got two PowerPoints here running. So I... Where are we? Okay. If you're a son of God or a daughter of God, you were in God all the time. You were at the bar there drinking. God was already inside of you. Might have been dormant a little bit. But a life was already in you. That's different, you know. It used to be taught you receive eternal life when you receive the Holy Ghost. But when the prophet is getting, and you get this at the end of 65. When you start talking about the seed gene. It's a, it's, a, it's a deeper revelation of the same thing. And then you realize, and he's saying, and we're going to cover that shortly if we have time. But I'll go ahead of myself. He says the eternal life was always in that seed. So it's not that you receive eternal life. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is when that seed is quicken when that seed comes to life then you can live that life because it's now activated inside of you amen so you were in God at all time but he knew that what bed and time you were being planted so now you're made a creature and a son of God manifested son and daughter of God to meet the challenge of this hour to vindicate the true and living God of this hour. The message that's coming forth in this time. That's right. You was done there before the foundation of the world. And if you wasn't chose that way, no matter how much you try to impersonate it, you'll never make it. You'll never make it as a bride. But if you choose the Lord, you can be part of the church of God. You'll never make it. We're talking about being elected. That's where we get confused sometimes. You'll never make it. If you're not right, it means you're going to hell. No, we're, we have to apply the word, rightly divide the word at the right place. Because we end up sending people in hell where they're not. You'll spend eternal, eternity with them. Maybe in different section or whatever. I don't know how this work. We don't know. We'll, but they'll go. They're not going to hell. He says, how can you get blood from a turnip when there's no blood in there? Now, Smyrna and Church Age, now then, here we are coming to a conclusion. As the eternal Logos, Logos was manifest in the Son and in Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that eternal one was the Father manifest in flesh and thereby gained the title of Son. Even so we... Eternal, eternal in his thoughts, in our turn, became the many-membered spoken word seed, manifest in flesh. And those eternal, eternal thoughts now manifest in flesh are the sons of God, even as we are so called. We did not become seed by rebirth. We were seed, and therefore were reborn, for only the elect can be reborn your new birth is that seed being quickened and the new birth is based on the seed not your choice well I made the choice 
The seed mate you did the choice, to do the choice, because there's a deep calling to the deep. That deep is the seed inside of you. So because we were seed is the reason we could be quickened. In non-seed, there is nothing to quicken. Even if you try, it won't work. The only, so not, the people will not be born again by pressure. They will not receive the Holy Ghost based on pressure. They will be quickened by hearing the word in their right season. There is no virtue in putting pressure on the church. You have to receive the Holy Ghost. We, we can say that. Pointing at you need an experience with God. But the level of pressure won't change it. You cannot pressurize a garden to bring forth. It, there's a season. There is law working. And God is in control of that. I cannot make a seed being quickened in any one of you. Not even in myself. That's God's role. Our role is to preach the word. Create the right atmosphere. And an atmosphere of fear, it's not a good atmosphere. We're actually blocking what we want to happen. Hold this carefully in, in, in mind. Now take the next step. Redeem means to buy back. It restores the original owner. God, by his death, the shed blood, bought back his own. He bought back the spoken word, seed bride. My sheep hear my voice, word, and they follow me. You always were a sheep. You never were a pig or a dog turned into a sheep. That is impossible for every kind of life produces the same kind and there is no change in species. But in the message adoption, the prophet says you were a cucklebird and then you were changing to a weed seed, weed grain. Progressive revelation. It unfolded and suddenly that pertains to the church. It doesn't pertain to the bride. Things, things become clearer. And sometimes ministers are afraid to talk like that because it's like, oh, you don't believe everything the prophet said. Yeah, I believe it. Now what he's saying, God has revealed himself. This is impossible because every seed has to bring forth of his kind. As we were in the thoughts of God and then expressed in flesh, there had to come a day when we would hear his voice, come a day, Someone can be sitting in church. A teenager can be sitting in church. It seems like everything goes above his head. And us as parents, we're like, man, how come he doesn't see it? Pray. Pray, but keep your smile. Pray. Just keep the atmosphere. If it's a seed, it'll come up, Lord. I trust it will. Praise the Lord. I trust in you, Lord. I trust you're in charge of the quickening. You know what I mean? That's his department. That's not our department. One day, when we would hear his voice, the word, and hearing that voice become aware of our father calling us, and he, re he rec and recognized that we are the sons of God, we heard his voice, and we cried out, as did the prodigal son, save me, O my father, I am returning to thee. Even the prodigal son, the parable, he had to return, because he came from there. 
<laughs> now he's home. He just forgot about it, you know. Spiritual amnesia. His father just waited. I want all the money. Take the money. Brother, don't give all that money. Your, your son's going to get lost. He's going to use all that money, you know, to go to bars, make friends, and prostitute and all that. You're actually giving him the means to get lost. I can see the father smile saying, you don't get it. You don't get it. He'll return. He'll return. He, that's what he chose. That's his own choosing. So he's there every day. He knows. He sleeps at night. He prays. Lord, I trust the seed inside of him. He, he's certainly spoiled all the, the savings and all the money. And oh my, he's going to return. And one day here he show up. Praise the Lord. And when he comes back, there's a party. He's, there's a feast. Now the older brother is angry. That's what I'm going to preach tonight, Lord willing. There's a clash. Because grace has been shown. Anyway, I go ahead of myself. I can feel the anointing moving into the prodigal son. We're going to preach that tonight. The clash between the two brothers. Okay, let's stay on this topic and finish this. A son of God can go a long time, a long time, before he recognizes that he is a son. <laughs> a long time. I was raised in church. I really wanted to save, serve the Lord. I got baptized at eight. I was sincere, but I was not quickened yet. I went into the world. Even my, my best friend in the world, when he saw where, where, the direction I was going, he says, Steve, he says, forget it. He'll never come back. He's lost. He went too far. And you know what? I came back to the Lord before him. And I baptized him. <laughs> That's God's sense of humor. When you think he went too far, when you, th when you think he'd done too much stuff, too weird, whatever. God has a sense of humor. He said that, and I baptized him. The showing, don't look at the external envelope. Don't look. No, no, there's, you never know what's inside. But God knows. You have to trust the Lord. All right, let's move on. In fact, a lot of true Christians are like the story of the, ba the baby eagle that was hatched out under a hen. And you know that story. And I'll, and I'll skip it because you know it. It's, it's been said many times. But it's the truth. And that's... For me, personally, it's the best story to explain predestination. What did that eaglet, what did he choose? Was he born an eagle because of his choosing? No, he just had to recognize. Like a son of God, he recognized, what's wrong with my feathers? They're not like the other one. And then he heard, you know, he heard of his theophany. And then he had to learn to fly because, you know, in the world where he lives in, nobody flies. Right. Hallelujah. He was afraid to try. Fear. You know, the mother eagle says, you know, jump, fly. He was afraid. He didn't know that. But there was a nature inside of him. Once more, she called out, screaming that he tried, beating his wings. He hurled himself into the air and answering the cry of his mother. He soared off into the blue sky. You see, he always was a eagle. Yeah. 
And he tried once, he failed. You think the mother ego said, all right, you just prove yourself, you're a chicken. I knew you'd fail. No, keep trying. You fell again. Forget it. Stay with the chickens. God doesn't treat us that way. He's patient. He had to learn to fly even though he was an eagle. Beating his wings, he hurled himself to the air. You see, he was always an eagle. He acted like the chicken for a little while, but he could not be satisfied. But when he heard the call of the great eagle, he came to his own place. And once a true son of God hears the cry of the Spirit by the word, he too will realize who he is. And run to the great prophet eagle and be with him forever, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that's why when we talk about a seed... Galatians 4, verse 6 is really an important scripture in that regard. Because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying about Father. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you a son. It comes to you because you are a son. There it is. Jesus Christ came forth, died upon the cross, and accomplished redemption, restoring to the original owner by means of purchase or paying the price, and thereby placed us as sons. He did not make us sons, for we were already his sons, but he placed us as sons, for as long as we were in the word and the flesh, we could not recognize as son, as his sons. We were held captive by the devil, but we were sons nonetheless. And hear this, and because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, whereby you cry, Father, Father, upon whom did the Spirit fall on Pentecost? Sons at Corinth, upon sons while they were, they hear the word. So the Holy Spirit falls on the elected. Hallelujah. Now what about eternal life? And uh, find a place to close here. Let's go at that seed, the prophet, at the end of his ministry, the end of 65. He reached even another level. And so were you sons of God, sons of God and daughters of God before there was even a moon, a star, or a molecule. You were sons and daughters of God for you only, you are only the physical manifestation of the attribute that was in God at the beginning. For there's one only one form of eternal life, and that was you. Before, you don't know nothing about it. Neither did you know when you was in your earthly father, but you are manifested too in his image. In the image of God, you are made and you were made manifest for the glory and the fellowship of God. And therefore, as sure as your gene had to be in your father before your natural birth, your spiritual gene had to be in God because you're an expression of the attributes of his thoughts before the foundation of the world. Right? No way around it. That's right. Now, we notice that, that life being in you, God's life being in you from the foundation of the world. You always had eternal life. We don't want to miss these quotes. They're really important. 
you can go to the bank with this. Now, the only way that you can be a son and daughter of God, because you have, you have to have eternal life. And there's only one form of eternal life, and that's God life. Only one form of eternal life, that was God. There, to be a son of God, you had to be in him always. I'm going to skip some of them and finish with a story. Notice that word cannot deny itself, a thinking man's filter. Then it is satisfied, it's the desire. It's a desire of what? What made you desire it in the first place? I told you, you made the choice because of the seed. It was not your own choosing. Even the prophet says, I didn't want that. I wanted to be in the woods. I wanted something else. But because of the seed, it brings you to the right choice. What made you desire it? So the prophet is even talking about the foundation of your conversion. You think it's you? You think it's your own choosing? It's not. What made you desire it in the first place? Because down in your soul there was a predestinated seed which was eternal life. Hallelujah. Always laying in there, always was in there. We're the end of 65. We're getting more plain and more plain and more precise. And we have to live according to that revelation. Always laying there, always was in there. All the Father has given to me will come to me. There isn't any of them going to be lost. He goes even further. It's that inside soul that never dies. It's got eternal life. It always was eternal life. See, it comes from God. It goes to God. It's the soul. Your soul was in God before the foundation of the world. It, was, it always had eternal life. All you had to do is to bring this body in subjection to that seed, to that greater calling. Hallelujah. Sons and daughters of what's in God at the beginning. Now you look, you've got eternal life. You say, we believe it, that we got eternal life. Well, there is only one form of eternal life, and that's God. That's the only thing that is eternal, if, is God. Then if you got eternal life, that life that's in you always was. Many times we thought we receive eternal life at the altar. No, the eternal life brought you to the altar. Hallelujah. In closing, I want to tell you a story. I made it up, but it's a nice story. <laughs> I made it up just to, uh, for a, 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 to give us a better understanding. What if my son, when he was young, something happened, he was a baby, something happened and he got away from our family? And he went from, you know, um, orphan's place, from orphan place, and he had a miserable life. And I was looking for him, because I know I have a son, and he's missing. And he had a lot of many, many scars, and that orphan homes, this happened, and that happened, and he, 
He's now an adult, and he's, he's in the street in Montreal, you know, a drug addict and rough. Every time I tell that story, I cry because that's my story. So you're looking for your son because you know you have one. And he can never be lost. And one day, somebody told me, yeah, yeah, I know this guy. He's on a certain street over there. And you go and he's laying there by, the, by a building. He's rough looking. He looks like a mess. And I come to him and I'm telling him, I said, hi, William. How do you know my name? Well, I'm your father. I have no father. Never had father. Rough. And at first he rejects me. Can't believe me. Don't play with me. Don't, don't, try, don't, try, don't try to fool me. And I'm your father. I knew I had a son. He was lost. You come from me. And now it's time to come back home. But he doesn't believe me. And I cannot force this right. young man to come with me. I have to bring him to a level of revelation where he's going to see it. Right. And I'm standing there. I could call the police. I could try to force him. I could try to drag him. But what's the good of it? If I drag him back in my house, you know what's going to do? He's going to run back in the street because that's all he knows. So he needed revelation that he comes from a better place. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. And at one point I'm like, Lord, help me. I have to tell him something that only me knows. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. And then I said, I'm going to tell you something that you, you know I don't know. I'm not supposed to know if I'm not your father. You got in the back a scar or something, you know. Yeah, do you call that? On appelle ça en français une tache de naissance. You got birthmark. In your back, on the left, you got a birthmark. Now he knows. I cannot fool him with that. Because only his father can know that. And that's what God's going to do with you. He's going to come down to you. He won't manipulate you. He won't force you. He won't, he won't blackmail you. But he will, he will touch your heart in a way that, you know, only God can do that. We want real conversion. I want my son to come back home because he recognized me. And it's not based on his choice. He recognized, and I can bring this young man back home because he's my son. You come from there, and it's now today you can return home. And you can imagine when I revealed to him his birthmark. Steers, God rolling his steers. His beard and his rough looking and all that. Suddenly his face changed. And somewhere deep inside, his brain doesn't remember, but deep inside, something inside tells him it's the truth. You come from there. Hallelujah. And then we drive home. But then he has a lot of things to learn. Needs a lot of patience. 
because he does not behave like my son. He doesn't know the manner of a house. He doesn't know what it is to take a shower. He doesn't know how to eat properly. He doesn't know how to behave. And his behavior won't make him a more of a son. But being a son will make him behave. Hallelujah. And when we have it reversed, it doesn't work. We're trying to bring people to Christ by behavior. We try to make them better son by behavior. It doesn't work. Hallelujah. It's a failure to start with. That's what we left denomination for. Church rules and men dogma and creeds. We want a real life inside of us. A life that will change us forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm closing with this. With a question the Bible asks. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall it be tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? Bring it on. As it written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And his love is playing a seed, putting a seed inside of us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, depth. That's our dimension. Nothing in this dimension nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads as the musicians come. Oh, Lord Jesus. Now we can sing. Amazing grace. Because it's amazing, Lord. Now... I want the musicians to play this song, You Are Cover Me, with a melody. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because I'm a child of God. The revelation of you being a child of God will remove all fear. come to you this morning and out of the sincerity of my heart I did everything I could this morning to try to lay out this precious revelation that has changed my my spiritual fabric it has removed of my life Lord all the background noise of fear and insecurity and I pray Lord your Holy Spirit as we preach I've seen It moves from heart to heart. And we want to gather our faith this morning and say, Lord, please remove, Lord. Please remove the fear. You will lose no one. And I want to rest in that. I was afraid, Lord, I would become lazy, I would become loose. But receiving the word of God will not bring the wrong fruits. Receiving the revelation of God will bring the right fruits. You're going to love him because he loved you first.
Remove the noise, Lord. Gently remove from the fabric of our spiritual life in the fabric of our sincerity, in the fabric of what we bring to you, Lord, remove the toxic, the toxic belief. Remove what's against the word. I give it to you this morning. I give you my faith, Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for choosing me. Your spirit is revealing to our spirit that we are children of God. Your spirit is telling us, not a church, not a minister, not a fellowship card, by revelation. His spirit, witness to our spirit that we are children of God. It's the only way to know Him revealing it to you. In the name of Jesus. You are covering me. Stand up. Let's worship the Lord with a melody. You surround you me. You surround me with a song of Good job. 